Coming up on today's Locked On Big Ten, we've got both our Iowa and Penn State hosts in to talk about the big matchup this weekend, biggest in the Big Ten this year, and of course, what it could mean for each program with a win or a loss. Uh, obviously, we'll also get into how each team wins it on the gridiron. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten. <laughs> You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. And thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. The show today is brought to you in part by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. We'll, of course, have more on Rock Auto in just a minute. All right, let's dive right in. Adam, or Adam, I don't don't know where I got Adam. Andrew Wade of Locked On Hawkeyes is in with us to talk Iowa's side, while Kevin McGuire, our usual Tuesday co-host from Locked On Nittany Lions, is over with Penn State. They're going to break down the biggest matchup of this weekend here on the show today. I'm going to be quite honest. You'll hear my thoughts on things, but honestly, I, I let them go. They're the experts here on these two teams. They cover these teams every single day, and they know... Quite honestly, more about him than I do. So uh, I let them flex their expertise here on the show and, and serve kind of like more of a moderator than the expert here on this one. But, of course, you'll hear plenty of me on the show, and I'm sure plenty of you are welcome hearing other voices too. But anyway, let's get right into it. Kevin and Andrew, thank them in advance for joining here on the show. You'll listen into the conversation here now. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten. You're listening in to everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. Our Tuesday co-host Kevin McGuire from Locked On Nittany Lions is in and also joining us on the program today, Andrew Wade of Locked On Hawkeyes as we get ready to build up to this matchup between Penn State and Iowa this weekend. The number three and number four teams in the nation in the AP polls and we'll start there boys. Welcome to the college football playoff if things ended today, at least according to, again, the AP. They don't decide things. So how does it feel? Both sides, let's start with, I guess, you, Kevin, our usual Tuesday co-host. What are the Nittany Lions doing as they get into that top four? We knew it was going to happen after what happened on Saturday. But where is this program at right now with exactly how close it is? It may be closer than it's been ever since at least, obviously, this format's been brought in. Yeah, I feel as though Penn State is a team that is gaining more and more confidence every passing week. You know, this is a complete 180 from where they were a year ago. Uh, we all know that the 0 5 start last year was dreadful, including a blowout loss to Iowa. Uh, and now they've gone 5 0, getting off to a good, pretty good start. You know, defense is playing really well. Uh, the running game maybe made some steps forward last week against Indiana. It's still kind of a question mark, I think, going forward. But Sean Clifford, uh, I've said this before, he has been a, a monumental difference for this Penn State team this season because he is much more confident. He is not making bad mistakes, which he did a plenty a year ago, which is why he led to getting benched uh, early on. So uh, I feel as though 
he's going to have a big test this weekend. I'm sure we'll get into that, but he has been so much better this year with, with the way he has seen the field and he's getting some help from his receivers that are getting a, a little bit more developed too, including uh, Parker Washington. You know, so there, there are lots of things that are going well for Penn state uh, things that may be going a little bit better than expected. Some that are not going quite as well as expected, but overall, I mean, things are just falling into place right now and they look like a well-rounded team. I think that's, that's the most important thing I think coming into this matchup this weekend. Yeah. And Andrew, again, thanks for joining us here on the show today. We've seen plenty of really good teams from Kirk Ferentz in his long tenure at Iowa. D- does this one feel different? Does it feel like there's something special a little bit more with this squad right now? Um, it kind of depends. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, each of his teams have had a different unique flavor to it. So you think of his top teams in the Kirk Ferentz era is 2002. It's probably 2009. 2015, you could probably sprinkle in a couple of Drew Tate years because those are pretty, pretty awesome in general, but um, in a different format. And then this year, and I think when you look at the 2002 team, it was offense, offense, offense. I made a decent defense, but mostly, I mean, the offense was what was kind of catalyst there. 2009, uh, resilient as heck, I guess you could say. And you have Ricky Stanzi who could just lead you back for comebacks for days and a pretty darn good defense. 2015, that was without, I mean, I don't mean to be rude to the 2015 team. I have, uh, LaShawn Daniels joins me every Monday. He's a member of that team. Matt Vandenberg is to join me. He was a member of that team, probably the least talented, uh, 12 and 0 team in a while, but I mean, they, they found ways to win. And I think that is something that is a skill and is a talent. Um, and they were close together and close knit this team, I think combined a lot of those aspects of all three teams though. Um, I think the offense, we're seeing it pick up a little bit. Now there's still some concerns in the offensive line. The running game needs to get going. There's a contingent of Iowa fans who are still holding their breath every time Spencer Petras throws a football. But I think that honestly is you're just not watching the game. If you think that at this point, because Spencer has had a pretty solid season with this defense, this is, I think this is the best defense Kirk has ever had on a top team to this point. And that there's been some really, really good defenses, but what this secondary is doing, and we knew it coming into the season that the secondary was going to be good, but Holy hell, it is surpassing my expectations. Uh, Tagova, Talia Tagovaiola, man, he just faced the wrath of the Iowa secondary. And <laughs> Iowa secondary that literally heard, heard the entire week that Tagovaiola has been doing amazing and this Maryland offense is explosive and how are you going to stop them? And uh, Riley Moss, our starting corner after the game, literally came in and said, we were ready for this. We wanted to prove – I mean, he was pissed. Like, you could tell after the game, he was pissed off the whole week leading up to that game. Um, so, it's. I mean, this team's just different, man. I'm excited. I think Penn State's going to be a huge test. Um, but the Big Ten is, is in a weird spot this year where a lot of teams are can beat you on any given week, but not a lot of top-end talent, which I think bodes well for both Iowa and Penn State to make a run in a traditionally dominated Ohio State space. Sorry for the incredibly long answer. That. I just got excited. <laughs> no, no, you're good, of course. That's why we have you on here. Now, it's been, I think, this matchup a really, really fun one to lead up to, not just because, I mean, it's obviously number three against number four in the country, but as you guys have mentioned as we've gotten into things here, these two teams are playing exactly the kind of football that they want to play. It's something I mentioned yesterday on the show with Jay, and really that's most, maybe, I don't know about surprising, but it obviously stands out most with what Penn State did last year compared to what they've been able to do here, Kev. Why do you think this team has been able to turn it around so quickly? And we've talked about this a lot before about how this team had the potential. Now they're executing. What has been the key to that? 
I honestly feel as though we are seeing more and more that last year had to be considered the exception to what Penn State has been doing the last number of years. Uh, getting a chance to get back into a regular or at least a more regular routine uh, since the second half of last season, I think is a huge difference because it just Penn State was so out of sync and so out of sorts in those first five games last year because they had to do things a lot differently than they had ever done. And I, and I understand that every team had to deal with it. So I, I don't think that Penn State should be given an extra excuse compared to what other schools were. Just for whatever reason, Penn State wasn't able to make those adjustments uh, the way that some other teams may have. But now that they're back in kind of the regular meetings, regular practices, you know, much more you know, the way that James Franklin likes to run things, I, I think that is huge. And I think that just having that um, ability to work a little bit closer together really has been a difference. I think James Franklin has, has said that on numerous occasions during these first five games of the season. I, I really do feel like there is something to be said about the way that they have uh, organized themselves going through spring practices, going through regular practices now. Uh, I, I think that's the biggest difference, at least for Penn State. Uh, but also, again, kind of going through that experience of last year and having so many uh, players decide to come back this season to make up for what happened last year. I really do think that there's a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a revenge factor, but it's like a motivating factor, right? To to redeem yourself a little bit and say that, you know, it, what happened last year, that's not what Penn State football is supposed to be, at least according to the guys that are in this uh, program right now. And, and now, you know, we'll see where the second half of the season goes, but it, they've already kind of redeemed themselves, at least personally and individually and as a team so far to this point. So uh, still lots of work to do because there are some big challenges ahead, but I, I think that they have already started to kind of build off of that motivating factor that they've all rallied around. Well, you know, James Franklin's going to have no problem getting those guys motivated for the matchup on Saturday. He personally four and one against Iowa too. So that's, I don't know what you take out of that. We'll ask about that later on as we get into, and I want to dive into more of the individual matchups and assignments of this actual game. But before we do that, one more final kind of zoom out into the big, big picture on the national stage, guys, this game is huge, obviously, but doesn't impact what you do in the Big Ten. You can still win a Big Ten title game, winning out by losing this game. It, in that avenue, I'd imagine you could argue it doesn't really, really knock you out if you lose it either. Where are you at with what a, a win gets you, where a loss puts you? Is this something where like you think your team needs the win to keep up with everybody else right now in college football still? Or is it more like this win gives us a little bit of a cushion, gives us something where we can still afford a loss and still be into it too. I'm interested how you're taking this uh, approach to really being shoved into that top four conversation here and start with uh, Andrew, I suppose. I think this is one of the most important games in the last 10 years of Iowa football. I, I got to be complete. So, I mean, yes, if they lose to Penn state, you're a hundred percent, right. They still control their destiny to the big 10 title. And in theory with how honestly, there's a lot of parody in college football. There's a chance they could still make the college football playoff. And if they do, if they were able to do that, they lose to Penn state and still make the college football playoff or make the Rose bowl. We're going to look back in the season and say, that's a pretty darn good season. That's still a top season in the, the Kirk Ferentz era. But this game specifically is a game that Iowa has not won in the past. They've had opportunities at taking down Wisconsin and having a memorable season. You look at two seasons ago, they went 10 and three. They lose to Wisconsin. They could have won the Big Ten West. They lose to Wisconsin. They don't win the Big Ten West. They ended up beating USC in a you know a pretty solid game that you know kind of sparked the next season. They lose two games by a couple points 
last season. Otherwise, they're going 8-0. That could have been a special season. I mean, they're just they're on the cusp, and they just need to get there. And then you factor in the fact that they have like 80 recruits coming this weekend, including a five-star prospect who is trying to commit between Iowa, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. And you have Kyler Casper, a four-star wide receiver, who is a Kevin Casper's son, Kevin Casper, a legacy hawk. I mean, there's a lot of big-time recruits coming. I mean, this is the game that Iowa is going to look back and get changed, I think, truly the history and the trajectory of the program for the next five years. And I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into hyperbole. I think that's truly the case here. Um, it means more than just this season for Iowa in this game. I hear what you're saying, and I totally uh, get that. And I, I would suggest this. You know, I think that both teams. Are, I think you're right. I think either team could lose this team, lose this game, and still go on to win the Big Ten. Odds are, you would have a rematch in the Big Ten championship. The way that things would be playing out, if that's the scenario. But I would guess that it might be a little bit more important for Penn State to win this game because I don't know if there's as much of a margin for error in the Big Ten East as Iowa may have in that Big Ten West right now. Just looking at what Penn State still has to play. They still have to play Michigan, still got to play Ohio State on the road, which is always tough. Also got to go to Michigan State at the end of the year. So I, I feel as though Penn State probably needs this win a little bit more as far as the Big Ten picture is concerned. But there's no question that you need to win this game if you want to have a really good shot at the college football playoff because I don't think you want to lose – I don't think you will lose this early on, uh, especially if you're Penn State when you still have got to go out to Ohio State. Um, and I think Ohio State is figuring things out, too. So I think I think no matter who wins this game, Ohio State's still the team that a lot of people are going to be chasing. So uh, I would just suggest that maybe Iowa's got a little bit more of a margin for error as far as the Big Ten picture is concerned than I think Penn State does. No doubt about it. Completely agree. Yeah, I think it's kind of, uh, I mean, I think this is kind of just understood, but like the, the competition here, like whether it's a, a undefeated or one loss, the Big Ten champion, as long as it is undefeated or one loss, probably going to get into that college football playoff. It's more about the battle inside the conference here over these next few weeks to try and figure that out. Honestly, that's going to be tougher than the battle to stay up in the national rankings. You're going to get your respect if you win in the Big Ten. But we'll talk more about what it's going to take to win on Saturday here in just a minute. Andrew Wade of Locked On Hawkeyes joining myself and our Tuesday co-host Kevin McGuire from Locked On Nittany Lions on the show. We'll get more into the actual game itself in the individual matchups on the gridiron here on Locked On Big Ten in just a moment. Well, believe it or not, we're already into October, and if you're getting ready for those winter months in Big Ten country, you got to be thinking about where your car is at. Nobody wants to be breaking down in the cold. So if you need any sort of maintenance done, upgrades you want to get done to make sure you're ready, repairs, anything really, just making sure that things are in tip-top shape, head over to rockauto.com and get any of the parts you need. Again, really any sort of thing you would need for your car, you can find over at the site. It's a family-owned business that cuts out that middleman of the part shop or dealership trying to not only find your part, because it can be hard if you're not on a place like Rock Auto that has everything, and also not having to deal with the upcharges that they'll give you for their service. So go over to rockauto.com, get it at the best price without having to go anywhere while knowing it's what exactly you need from the comfort of your home. There's nothing to lose by at least checking them out at rockauto.com. And if you end up using the service, be sure to let them know that we sent you. Put Locked On in their little How Did You Hear About Us box. 
Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. Our Tuesday co-host, Kevin McGuire of Locked On Nittany Lions is on. We're also joined by Andrew Wade, Locked On Hawkeyes, to talk about the Big Penn State-Iowa matchup this weekend. Number three against number four. BetOnline.ag line has moved to an even two points in favor of the Hawkeyes. Over-under is at now an even 42 points it's going to be a defensive battle guys we talked about that before we got on here just a second ago but i want to ask just how you think each offense is going to react to the defenses here i guess we'll like talk talk about your individual offense i guess so how do you think each team's going to do against again two defenses that have been stellar to start this season they've both been really flexing that muscle against really good talent we were talking before like talia tungvaloa was statistically the best quarterback in the Big Ten going into last weekend, Andrew. Iowa shut them down. How do you feel like those Spencer Petrus is going to be able to do against what the Nittany Lions have? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, typically, Iowa's offensive game plan is run first, run second, run third, and sometimes we throw the ball occasionally, and usually it's like a bubble screen, and that's about it. And like We'll take one shot a game. Uh, what they did against Maryland I thought was really interesting. They came out slinging the ball all over the place and taking shots across the field. Um Two weeks ago, Kirk Farron talked about the fact that this is the first time in practice where he felt very comfortable um, going deep. And then they went deep a bit against Colorado State. Keegan Johnson, a true freshman, getting two big-time catches. Charlie Jones, Nico Regani getting involved. Um, we saw against Maryland, they were willing to do a few more things. They added in a few other wrinkles. And I thought Brian Farron's called literally the best – one of the best games of his life outside of that USC game. That was – I mean, that was a pretty darn good game against Maryland. Granted, he had good field position to work with and had a lot of um, wiggle room with what he was doing. Against Penn State, the only thing I, I think the secondary-wise, when I look at Penn State secondary, it concerns the heck out of me. I mean, it is a very strong secondary across the board. Um, not a lot of weaknesses. The only one who I think is grading under like 80 is one of your top corners who's been around for a couple of years, right? So, I mean, um, to me, that that does concern me a little bit from throwing the ball perspective. But – and. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin. What I've what I've seen from Penn State is that there is a slight weakness in the rushing defense, and Wisconsin was able to attack that. Wisconsin should Wisconsin's been terrible this year in terms of like Graham Mertz has been bad, but Wisconsin was able to attack with the running game, and I think Iowa might go back to their normal game plan of trying to power football, keep the score close, and rely on their defense to potentially make Sean Clifford look like Talia Tagovailoa. I think this is going to be a game where Kirk is very concerned about not giving the ball away to Penn State. So we're going to see a pretty conservative game plan, in my opinion. A lot of runs um, trying to just pound away at Penn State's defense and hope at one point we take a shot deep and make it. Kevin, what do you I'll, think? I'll, Go ahead. I'll, I'll, say, I'll chime in on that. I think you're right, Andrew. I think the biggest weakness that Penn State may have uh, defensively has been the run defense. Uh, you mentioned Wisconsin, but go back a couple of weeks ago when they played Auburn. Uh, first of all, Tank Bigsby is a monster for Auburn, and uh, he should have been running the football more against Penn State's defense. If he, they did, they probably get out of there with a win uh, because I feel like that was what Auburn's key to success should have been. Uh, it was for a while until they decided not to do that. Uh, so I do feel as though that is an area of concern that Penn state has. And against a team like Iowa, who you know is going to run the football uh, that's that concerns me coming into this game. And it has concerned me from the start of the season. It, I always feel as though, uh, you know, teams that can run the football well in Penn state are going to grind out some yards, grind out the clock and can, can wear 
down a defense. So they were able to weather the storm against Wisconsin because they made some big plays against a horrible passing game. Uh, you know, I don't think that I don't think that Iowa has a horrible passing game, but I think that you know, it can be a bend but break mentality with this Penn State defense. The question is, you know, is Iowa able to bend them completely? And that's that's what you got to figure out. So, you know, running the football, I think, is obviously a key for success for Iowa. And it's got to be the biggest concern, I think, defensively, because I think the secondary, it, it may not be getting the interceptions that Iowa is, but the secondary is really good. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the stats, I just looked it up real quick. Wisconsin had 180 yards rushing, um, and Auburn had 182 yards rushing in both those yeah. games. Both those games, close games. Um, heck, that Auburn game, uh, that that could have been a whole different story if you plays go a certain way. So um, that is definitely, I think, the key to success for Iowa's offense is, is running the ball and Spencer Petras to continue to play clean football. Um, that is a, a big, big thing that he needs to do, especially against a strong secondary. Let's go over to the other side. And – Sean Clifford has been really good. We've talked about that already, Kevin, on the show before. But this Iowa defense has been outstanding. What do you think the plan of attack for James Franklin will be in this matchup on the road? I don't know if they're going to change up too many things with their basic philosophy. This is still an offense that's going to take their deep shots. And even against as talented a secondary as this Iowa team has, I still think you have to take your chances because that has been their bread and butter. And when you have receivers like Jahad Dotson, uh, Parker Washington's been having a really good season as well. Uh, Kendra Lambert-Smith can get open too. I, I think you're, you'd be foolish not to at least take a couple gambles. And it, it may not pay off uh, as well as it has against some other teams, but that's just something that they're going to do. Uh, they, they're going to do that a handful of times. If they connect on one or two, they'll be happy. They'll probably make something happen out of those. So I don't think they're going to go away. Now, the question is, how conservative will Penn State be? What kind of field position do they have? I think this is a good field position type of game, but when you can't run the football the way that Penn State has struggled, again, they, they took some steps forward last week against Indiana, but I think it's a massive work in progress trying to figure out exactly how they're going to distribute the football, who's going to uh, carry it in certain situations. I, I don't know if Iowa is a team that you want to try keep trying to figure that one out. So I think you want to have some definitive answers one way or the other. If it works, great. If not, then you got to go back to the drawing board. I don't know how much time you have to waste in that, though, because I just feel as though you, you got to rely on Sean Clifford to continue to play well. I know he's got three interceptions this year. I'm only going to maybe criticize him for one of them, which was last week against Indiana. Uh, but after seeing what Iowa did to Maryland last week, it, it has opened, I think, a lot of eyes. So I think the experience that Sean Clifford has maybe puts him in a better position than Talia from uh, Maryland. Uh, so we'll see. But you know, going on the road, uh, this is what concerns me a little bit because he has been playing so well. But this is a this is a rough environment to go into. I'm glad it's not a pure night game, but it's still going to be a primetime atmosphere, I'm going to guess, as, as the game's going on. So it's going to be an electric, deafening crowd. And I, I need to see how Sean Clifford responds in this situation. I obviously, he got off to a slow start against Wisconsin. Uh, this is their first road game since the opener. So I'm very curious to see how they're going to handle this. I'm so pissed it's not a night game. I mean, could you just throw Iowa a bone here? Night games at Kinnick are usually a successful experience for Iowa fans. Um, I would agree with you. I think you have to take shots. And if people think about this, the six interceptions that Iowa got against Maryland, and that's what we're focusing on, there was one drive before Dante Demas went down where they just drove down the field with ease. And they were just picking apart Iowa secondary by throwing deep crossers over 
and over and over again. Iowa stays in the same zone. They've ran the same defense for 20 years. And I second, I mean, they're not doing anything revolutionary. They add in the cash. Oh my gosh, you got to the 21st century and added a nickel defensive back. Fantastic. But like there are opportunities as long as Sean Clifford can stay patient. And I think as long as he's not going to make mistakes and that they force, they basically make a quarterback have to make eight really good throws on one drive. And that's kind of the goal. And can he do that is really the question, but I think there's going to be opportunities, especially with Jahan Dawson. We've seen Penn state receivers torch Iowa. There's usually one individual for Penn state who just torches Iowa each year. And it just drives me insane. Uh, You know, whether it's, you know, Saquon or miles or KJ Hamler, I'm a Broncos fan and I hate him on the Broncos because of what he did against Iowa. I mean, he's just electric. And now you have John Dawson. He's on the IR now, isn't he? Give him a break. He's on the IR now. I feel bad for him, (laughs) but I don't like the guy. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's frustrating, but you got to take your shot deep against Iowa. I think you you have to, you have to test them and test our, test our safeties. The -hmm. other thing that, uh, going back to Sean Clipper, one of the things that he's actually doing really well right now is actually spreading the football around. Uh, It took him a couple games before they really got the tight ends going, but I, I feel like they now have options where they can, you know, Sean Clifford can run around a little bit. And if he does so long enough, one of those guys is going to get open, whether it's a wide receiver or a tight end, uh, somebody getting open, I think has been a key. They've been so many plays this year where Sean Clifford, you know, he looks at what's going on in the field, doesn't see anything he likes. So he moves around until somebody gets open and receivers are getting open. So uh, if that comes to into play here you know how much time does Sean Clifford have to extend a play that's another thing that I'm very curious to see because I don't know if Iowa's defense is going to give them as much time as some of these other teams that Penn State has played Mm -hmm. I think bottom line is uh, I just feel like both of you would agree you'd be pretty surprised if your team just came out and lit it up right yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) well let's talk a little bit just kind of before we go about what you want to happen here uh, on both sides. We'll start again with Kevin on the way out. If Penn state wins this game, how does it happen? What kind of game are the Nittany lions playing? What ends up leading to you feeling really good about a big win on the road in Iowa? If Sean Clifford doesn't throw an interception, I think they win as simple as that. This is a defense that has been picking everybody off, but if Sean Clifford can somehow avoid making that kind of error, I think they've got an excellent chance to win this because I do feel like this offense is going to find, I don't know if they're going to find too many big plays, but they're going to find enough consistent plays where they can move the ball downfield. Uh, they've got a pretty good kicker right now from long range and Jordan Stout, their co big 10 special teams player of the week for the second time already this season. He's also a really good punter. So, so I mean, this, if this is going to be a field position game, I like Penn state's chances as long as Sean Clifford isn't picked apart. If he throws one interception, I, I would deal with that. But if he throws zero, I don't think there's any way that Penn State gets out of this with a loss. I mean, you when Andrew? you look at yeah, when you look at the two, the two games Iowa struggled in the most, which is sadly Colorado State and Kent State, um, Iowa didn't have an interception. So uh, when you look at what happened in Indiana, Iowa State and Maryland, Iowa is forcing turnovers. Now, granted, Colorado State there was about 10 balls that hit off our hands that we probably should have caught, but nevertheless, it didn't happen. So I agree. I mean, I think it, it's really a matter of who makes the most, who has the most turnovers because Spencer Petrus has done a really good job of protecting the football to this point. We had some fumble issues early on, but we've gotten rid of that. Uh, I think it seems like we've gotten rid of it at least. Um, Sean Clifford has played really well this year, but 
I remember last year. I mean, it he did not look like the same quarterback last year. The new offensive coordinator, new system, I believe, um, just didn't look the same. So, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's maybe less about if he throws one interception and more about who throws the most interceptions. They are losing this game because it is going to be field position, and that's going to be the turning tide of this game because we also have a fantastic punter. Uh, Tory Taylor can boom the ball. Caleb Shudok is arguably better than Keith Duncan, um, who was an All-American. should have won the Lou Groza Award, and I will forever hate uh, Glasses guy from Georgia. Gosh, what is his name? Um, Rodrigo Blankenship. Yeah. I hate him. Ever, forever. <laughs> I'll never like that guy. He stole the Lou Groza Award from us. But Caleb Shudok is arguably better than that. So I think special teams-wise, it's the same. Defense, we have very good defenses. It's which offense doesn't screw it up for us. Pretty much, pretty much. It's going to be a low scoring game. So I think that it's very key. You know, whichever offense makes the fewest mistakes, I think is going to have a serious advantage because these defenses on both sides are not going to give up a whole lot. So you got to take advantage of whatever field position you can. And, you know, it wouldn't be a big 10 game uh, if we weren't talking about punters. Right. So <laughs> that's, that's going to be a little big bit of a factor here in this game. I was going to say, we'll, we'll get the bonus episode out, history of Big Ten special teams and the award stuff's behind him too at some point in the next couple of weeks with Andrew and you guys. It's going to be a really good game, everyone. It's just a matter of it. Obviously, huge implications nationally. Obviously, huge implications for both of these programs and the rest of the season going into the college football playoff. I may even ask you guys to come on again at some point before the week's over or maybe out on the Saturday after get instant reaction at some point, because this is just, again, a huge game, maybe the biggest of the year so far in all the big 10, for sure. Maybe all of college football. And I'm again, thankful to have both of you come on to talk on it with us on locked on big 10, Kevin, you're here with us every Tuesday, Andrew, you're here with us special today to talk about the Iowa game. Appreciate you coming on, remind the people where they can hear and get all of your stuff. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Locked on Iowa and every podcast platform, Locked on Hawkeyes, and on YouTube as well, Locked on Hawkeyes. Special shout out to LaShawn Daniels, former Iowa running back, joining us every single Monday to break down the game with us. So that's where he got us at. Yeah, that's really cool. Go ahead and give him a listen. And again, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Kevin, same for you. Locked on Nittany Lines is every day too. Where can people get to all of your work? You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Nittany. And of course, we're also on YouTube. So give our YouTube channel, give a, give a follow, subscribe, give a thumbs up, leave the comments down on the below on the videos. And of course, we're available on every podcasting platform as well. So however you get your podcasts, follow us, subscribe to us. It's totally free to do so. Leave those ratings and reviews coming in. It's the best way to show your support for the podcast. And, you know, I'm sure Andrew's going to say the same thing, but we've got a lot to talk about this week. And, uh, you know, Andrew and I are going to do a little crossover later this week too. So you want to make sure you're tuned in for all of our coverage across all the platforms. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, there you go. I mean, this week more than any, you want to be able to be in tune on those teams. So go ahead and give those guys a follow. Thanks again, guys, for coming on. I'll be back on in just a minute to wrap things up here on Locked On Big Ten. Sweatblock is the number one product on Amazon in the antiperspirant category and with good reason. The stuff just flat out works. Now, uh, you think an antiperspirant is obviously deodorants and Sweatblock has them. They've sent some over here. I've been using it just because, I mean, everyone uses deodorant. And again, stuff really works. It feels good putting it on it does it's not like sticky or anything like that i hate when that stuff's uncomfortable and it keeps everything dry all day long i, I don't have to think about any of that kind of stuff if you're someone who just sweats a lot or just doesn't want to have to again worry 
about ever having to have sweaty underarms on even the hottest of days or wearing any sort of outfit, you can go over to Sweatblock, try out their deodorants, their wipes, which can help keep your underarms dry for up to a week just with one single wipe under the arms. It's really magical stuff and it works wonders. Try it out at sweatblock.com with our promo code locked on for 20% off or go on Amazon or your local CVS. That's Sweatblock, really the best stuff for your antiperspirant. Try it out. Just give it a try. Give it a switch. If you've ever had really like any problems with anything you're using now, you won't have them with Sweatblock. 